friends and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano, joined as always by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Dan, I'm quite excited. We have a very, very interesting and controversial topic. And I wanted to let you know, this is episode number 76. Now, my favorite, I'm going to date myself here, my favorite show of all time was Leave it to Beaver. So as of tonight, we're only 158 episodes behind Leave it to Beaver. And that's the good news. The bad news is that neither Eddie Haskell nor Lumpy Rutherford will be making appearances tonight, unfortunately. <laughs> well, there, that's one way to look at it. And you said it, a controversial topic. And if we're going to have, if we're going to talk about something that's going to instill ranting and that's going to bring out the emotion, I could only think of one person we were going to have on the show today. And we are joined again, friend of the show. He is a director, writer, actor, filmmaker, columnist, uh, cinema host and professional ranter himself. He is Mike Messier. Mike, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, Dan. Great intro. And hi, Benny. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, uh, Mike. Good. Yeah, we've got a big topic, and and the topic's been passed around. I think uh, we just might have one shot left in this uh, in this topic that's been passed around, like perhaps a paralegal was a few years ago, from Vince McMahon to John Laurinaitis. Uh, if the allegations are correct. Well, that's that's one way to put it. I was uh, was hoping that was a play on words, and you you hit it right on the head, Mike. There, uh, and we're recording this on a Tuesday, as of uh, just over the last few days. Uh, huge story broke in the world of wrestling. Vince McMahon was temporarily relieved or stepped down, depending on which version of events you feel like talking about, uh, as chairman of the WWE and chairman of the board. Uh, due to a story that broke involving him paying a $3 million hush money settlement of sorts to a paralegal who he, as as the uh, accusation said, and you said he uh, traded back and forth with John Laurinaitis. The, the <clears throat> story involved gets a little more graphic than that. Uh, she was apparently hired, uh, doubled her salary about a year later. And when she left, she was paid $3 million. So uh, if any of this is true, Vince McMahon paid more uh, hush money for this woman than he did to buy WCW, which is, uh, got to put it, put it in perspective. But more than that, other news is broken as part of a cascade of this story. Because when you talk about Vince McMahon, you have the inner circle. And, of course, I, I, I don't think it's related, but right around the same time, there was a story that, that Kevin Dunn was being investigated for insider trading. And as of this morning, it was confirmed John Laurinaitis has been asked to step down, at least temporarily suspended from his position as, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from his position uh, over personnel. And our, our good friend, Brother Love, has taken that spot. And I mean, it, you've, Stephanie McMahon has stepped up from back from her early early retirement or uh, break, as she as she put it. And it's just it's crazy across the board. This has been a huge story. The dominoes are starting to fall. Benny, what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm going to fire the first round here and ask Mikey. Uh, the wrestling is crazy. We we so many storylines that we thought maybe it were actually real, but but weren't. But it, is, Mike, is there any chance 
that this is a work? No, it's not, because uh, when you're talking about a publicly held company and you're talking about things like hush money and uh, sexual misconduct, perhaps, or paying someone a settlement or an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, in order not to tell a story, uh, there would be no gain in that being a work. I mean, that's that's always a good test for the wrestlers, the wrestling fans. Like, if you think something's a work, look at the possible who's benefiting from doing the work. Now, you could make a case, I guess, uh, that the WWE popped a rating uh, last Friday night because Vince McMahon made a scheduled appearance. It was announced in the afternoon, and then he showed up at night and did a very, you know, 30-second or so speech, and then he surprised people last night by doing Monday Night Raw. So you could make the case that if they were really desperate to pop a rating for one week, they could have gone through all this trouble. But in my opinion, it wouldn't be worth the effort. I did want to clarify one thing that uh, Dan uh, said. He actually stepped back is the uh, wordage that they've used, that Vince McMahon stepped back, which I never heard before, to be honest with you. So I think, I think a lot of people are getting confused. They, they think that, in, in my opinion, I could be wrong. I think stepping back means like a, a voluntary, a voluntary, you know, removing yourself from the position rather than being coerced or asked or requested to step down. And uh, furthermore, Vince is still being, even WWE says he's still had a creative and his two appearances in the last five days on SmackDown and now Raw, I think it's kind of just a figurehead thing that Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, supposedly running the show now. I think it's still pretty much the Vince McMahon show. Now, now that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point, Mike. That I didn't even think about uh, continuing that thought because they released a statement that he had stepped back as CEO. Stephanie McMahon was taking over. Then they released a second statement stating he would would not be removing himself as head of creative for the TV shows. And that was the statement where he said, P.S., I'm going to be on SmackDown tonight. And then obviously he was on Raw yesterday to announce John Cena's return. So, uh, I mean, really kind of a, a power play of sorts, a very much I'm still here regardless of what's happening. I mean, you know, there's there's some... Uh, metaphorical ways to describe that that are not appropriate but definitely uh mcmahon measured measuring something on, on tv there and now mike i want your thoughts on this the the key point here is the payoff the three the alleged three million dollar payoff was personal money that was vince mcmahon's pocket he wrote a check thank you uh to to, to quote jim Cornette. thank you fuck you bye and right. so she she walked off um but the the issue is, while she was employed there during this alleged affair and, and promiscuity, she was granted a huge salary, including a, a, a increase her second year there. She was making two hundred thousand a year, and yes, technically the hush money is personal. But when you start getting into company money to take care of this woman, that's where. You start to get into the into the wiggle room of of legality and and the moral dilemmas, as it were. What are your thoughts on that? Well, and also just before I forget, the thing you mentioned earlier about Kevin Dunn, the connection the connection with the insider trading is that apparently and I allegedly apparently whatever Mr. Dunn sold a good portion of his own personal stock in WWE the day before this report on Vince McMahon's situation. 
and Johnny Lawrence, Lyronitis' situation got released. Right. So the idea is that Kevin Dunn, because he's super in, inner circle, he had the information that this story was going to come out. Uh, I think the Wall Street Journal was the first one to put it to press. And so that's the thing I'm done. Uh, as far as uh, your most recent question to me, um, there's another issue here, Dan and Benny, is that Jerry McDivitt, who's the esteemed uh, lawyer for the WWE, he helped them in the steroid tri trial, the, everything that the WWE is accused of, I'm sure he was involved in the Owen Hart settlement. I'm guessing I could be wrong. But uh, McDevitt's been the go-to lawyer. He's held in very high regard by Jim Ross, who always says that if he needed a lawyer, he'd call Jerry McDivitt. And, uh, but the problem is that Jerry McDivitt is Vince McMahon's lawyer as well as the WWE's official lawyer. So the question is, even though a lot of us, including myself, think of WWE and Vince McMahon as being one and the same thing, they're not. Vince is like an 80% owner of the WWE at this point because he put up some of that for public to be a public traded company. So the, the conflict of interest is McDivitt being the lawyer for both WWE and Vince McMahon. If Vince McMahon had a $3 million hush agreement with this lady, who has been reported to be 41 years old, uh, uh, then that money should have come directly from Vince McMahon's pockets, not from the WWE. So I think one of if, if this uh, investigative committee, who we don't know who's on that investigative committee, as a matter of fact, I don't know, maybe you guys do, if, if the law, like, is there any legal force that's involved in this situation, or is it just inner WWE house business? But um, we don't know who's on that committee to investigate this thing. And I think biggest, if they're legitimate, if they're on the up and up, the committee, the biggest question is, did... This lady get paid off the three million from WWE money or from Vince McMahon personal money? That's a big question that needs to be figured out and answered. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And as of this morning, I should say earlier today there was more coverage. You mentioned the Wall Street Journal doing a good job on it. That's why I worded it the way I did because yes, Dunn did sell WWE stock, but there could be there's other issues at play that they're still debating whether or not it's all connected certainly seems that way, but this is where you got to, everything is alleged, uh, supposedly that kind of stuff. Um, but no, as of earlier today, they reported there's now five separate investigative law firms, um, uh, involved in this for violating everything from, uh, federal security laws, uh, unlawful business practice, uh, what are called f uh, fiduciary duties and, um, the worst part for the, the board anyway is Vince McMahon's behavior could be what, what they call allegedly harming uh, to harmful to investors, which is basically they can say your decisions intention or uh, basically your decisions caused the company directly to lose money. And that is where you start getting into the power of like Apple did with Steve Jobs, Tesla, uh, the fight they had with Elon Musk where the board actually has the ability to remove him permanently. Um, now, whether they can force a sale, that's it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, what you touched on is when you start getting five plus law firms and, and God knows how many lawyers involved, you start running into some serious legal mud and someone who represents McMahon personally can't represent the WWE. And then if he's involved in any of the NDAs or contracts that, that, that this woman, and yes, her identity is out there. I'd rather not bring it up. I think 
doxing somebody in a situation like this is 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 shitty. But um, right. uh, yeah, if 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 he's involved in that, then he's a, a a claimant in this as well, and he can't be involved. Benny, what do you think? Well, first, I have to retract my initial statement about firing the first shot. I think Vince did that. So, and that's why we're here tonight. Right. But, um, so, <laughs> my next question to, to Mike is about Stephanie. So, I hmm. think I, I might have my dates wrong here, but I think I have them within a day or two. May 19th, Stephanie McMahon tweets that she's leaving the WWE to, quote, unquote, uh, I believe the word was focus on her family. So, June 17th, 28 days later. She's now the interim CEO of the WWE. I mean, she must be one hell of a focuser. I guess my question is, do you think that the leave was just to get her out of the picture for a little bit? Because she knew it was going to happen. And, you know, maybe just to, to disassociate herself from the, the mess when, when, when the shit hit the fan. Do you think that was part of it? Well, can I also jump in and say that there's one wrinkle in that story you didn't mention, Benny, which was... Somewhere in between those two points with Stephanie, there was some type of business insider website uh, article that came out where basically the WWE kind of buried Stephanie of all people on her way out. So that was an interesting thing that that story was like seven or 10 days earlier than Stephanie coming back. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was saying that was the, uh, the when the rumbling started happening that, that, that uh, Khan. And it was not her. He and Stephanie were not fans of each other. So maybe there was some rumblings that he was pulling a string or two backstage to, to kind of dirty her name so he could move up the ladder if and when she came back. Yeah, and I think it, it might have been Brian Alvarez because I listen to him a lot. I think he's a pretty logical guy as far as wrestling reporters go. I think it was Alvarez that said maybe, possibly, the idea with them burying Stephanie is, hey... Our ratings haven't been that great. Let's use Stephanie as this, you know, convenient scapegoat, say that she wasn't doing the best job that she could have done, so the stockholders will be happy. And uh, maybe that Stephanie agreed to that. Who knows? I mean, I think I think what's happening, guys, in a, in a big sense, um, is that as far as the future of this whole thing, I don't want to jump to the big conclusion already, but as far as where is this all headed, I don't know if this is going to affect in a negative way the WWE very much unless the actual wrestling fans who's ever left as a wrestling WWE fan specifically, unless they start changing their viewing patterns and kind of the high esteem that they put these people on, namely Vince and the whole family. And when Vince McMahon comes out to the ring, you see people in the crowd, you know, bowing their heads like he's a king. Unless the actual common man, like Dusty Rhodes used to portray, starts turning on the McMahon family and realizing uh, what a crock they've been sold and they've been buying for the last however many years, things aren't going to change very much. I think it's really up to the audience to, to make things better if they're going to get better. I could see that. Well, going from one child to the other... Following, there was some, the story came out following his appearance at the Royal Rumble this year that uh, there was some backstage heat on Shane. There was issues that he, because he was kind of helping to uh, act as a producer and put that match together that he put himself over. He was out there too long at the expense of some other talent. And he ended up 
disappearing, but despite it kind of seeming like he was going to be more involved going forward. And of course, then the story came out that there was heat backstage. There was arguing. Was there, was there, was there, you know, he said, she said kind of stories that come out all the time that the dirt sheets love them. Um, not to get conspiracy, but do you think that, and maybe not directly at the rumble, but do you think in recent weeks leading up to this revelation, if say Kevin Dunn sold his stock, if they knew this was coming, do you think they, they kept Shane out of the light as protection for him or is, is, did he see it coming or was this just a huge coincidence that he was gone right before all this came to pass? And I didn't answer your question directly about Stephanie either. Sorry, Benny. I, I didn't answer that because I got caught up in the other stuff. Um, to answer both questions at this point, I kind of, in my personal opinion, I don't think Shane and Stephanie were aware of the extent of this situation and how it would affect the company. I do not think so. That's just my gut instinct. I could be wrong. But I, I don't think in Stephanie's case, when she left to take time off from her family, you know, who knows? Maybe things were getting a little uh, tension-filled. Uh, I know her husband, Triple H, has had some heart issues, and now he has he's a pacemaker, right, in his chest? Correct. So, I mean, Stephanie and Triple H, uh, they really do need to take care of themselves and enjoy their time together. And they have three daughters that I think are all teenagers now. So I think they should be taking some time away from this company and concentrating on their family. They have the money to do so. They have that luxury. And... Uh, Good for them. As far as Shane goes, we know that at one point Shane McMahon had left the WWE for seven years. So he, I think Shane has always had daddy issues with Vince because Shane wants to be the apple of his father's eye, but he hasn't really ever been. <laughs> yeah. Mike, going back to something you said a little bit ago. Um, you know, about the, when, when Vince McMahon made the appearance and everybody's bowing like he's a king. You know, I, I'm quite honestly shocked. At, it's, it's almost like a cult thing. And I it's the do no wrong theory. And I, I made an example of the, uh, the Italian mother who's getting stabbed by her son. And she's complaining that he's getting his shirt dirty while he's stabbing her. Like, what is it that, I mean, what would it take? for these people to see what kind of guy that they're dealing with here and, and look for some other way to spend their time and money. It's the exact same reason why people stormed the Capitol building thinking that they were helping Donald Trump. It's the same type of individual who uh, lives vicariously through a richer man, through they, they live vicariously through someone who's on television, who has more money, more power, more influence. They feel that they're part of this and uh, they're ignorant to the that they're being used. And the, the WWE fan who's willing to spend 20 or $40 or whatever it is to go see Raw in person when they can sit in the comfort of their own home and watch it for free, uh, they're not using common sense at this point because they are, they've sold themselves thinking that the WWE cares about them or that the WWE is something worth cheering for, or it's still family entertainment, or whatever it is that they think it is. Uh, ultimately, my theory has been for the last three years, I have a video rant about this on Subscribe to Mike Messi YouTube channel, that a lot of wrestlers have a father figure complex towards Vincent Ken Man. Uh, you can read Mick Foley's book. He says that Vince is like a father figure to me, the late China, Joni Lawler. Uh, 
said that Vince is like a father to me. All these wrestlers, even Jim Ross, who's about five years younger than Vince, said Vince McMahon is like a father to me. So all these wrestling people have a Vince McMahon uh, father figure complex. The wrestling fans, I think, also have a father figure complex to Vince McMahon. I think a lot of wrestling fans feel like when they tune into wrestling, they're a part of it and that they feel like they're being patted on the back uh, by the father figure of Vince McMahon if they tune in and be a good little boy or a good little girl and watch the show. I think it's pretty deep. I mean, I, I don't know if any other, I wouldn't say any other, but I mean, you talk about things like like the Kiss rock band has a very devout following, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, horror, certain horror films or the horror world in general, they have devout fans. But I don't know if any of these fan bases are as uh, loyal to a fault, and it is to a fault, as the WWE loyalists or the idiot McMarks, as I've been known to call them. And I think nothing was ever more clear that when you saw those guys in the audience bowing to Vince McMahon on Friday night, they are the living personification of idiot McMarks. Well, <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take you to drop that idiot McMark comes up a lot in your uh, very calm and mellow rants that, that you can find on your you which by the way a, a nice sneak in of the plug for your youtube channel wouldn't be a wouldn't be a mike messier appearance without a, a self-promotion that's right but that's right we, we we talked about this before benny i know you and i are on the same page here this the affair the, the hush money all this it's bad. It clearly shows Vince McMahon as a, especially if, if the parts are true about him trading her around the office, like some kind of object to be given away. I mean, that's just disgusting, but I, we personally, and I know Benny, we, we've talked about this and we both agree on it. Vince McMahon is significantly guilty of much worse, or I should say he's, he's guilty of significantly worse, excuse me. And uh, everything from and and dark side of the ring exposed a lot of that the the accusations of paying hush money to cover up the the Jimmy Snuka murder um, the the fact that there was a, there was accusations of of intimidation and legal uh, very unethical legal wiggling among the steroid trial uh, I know Benny, you've mentioned it before. The decision to continue the pay-per-view in a broken, blood-stained ring after Owen Hart died, and I'm—I mean, you talked about the the father figure and the die-hard fans, but um, what do you think as far as as is this a surprise in any way? Is this the Vince McMahon you've always known existed, and now social media is bringing it mainstream? What, what do you think? Is this are, are we right here? Is this is this McMahon just a terrible person and has been forever, for lack of a better description? Or is this kind of a, oh, 70 something year old man had an attractive woman in the office? One, two, three kind of setup. Uh, well, uh, you know what? There was a case with the first female WWF referee that they never mentioned anymore. Uh I don't want to get her name wrong. I think it was Rita Marie was her ring name, but they had a WWF referee that was a female back in the eighties. And, uh, didn't she have a settlement with Vince McMahon? And, and she, I believe she allegedly accused him of rape and they had some type of settlement and an NDA. And also I I've been meaning to say this the whole time when they discovered this NDA for the 3 million, 
just recently, apparently they've also discovered a bunch of other NDAs with Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis. So it's not just this one case. Um, this is, is a lot of cases. So, for instance, when you think of the Bill Cosby situation from 10, 15, five years ago, still kind of going on in some ways. If it had just been one case, okay, maybe some people would, you know, think, oh, give them the benefit of the doubt. But when you start piling on a bunch of different accusations, that's more serious. As Sable, didn't Sable have a, have a settlement with WWE in between her coming back, like when yeah, she yeah. left the first time, right? So. Correct. There was a settlement there. And then as far as talent goes, uh, she's uh, Gail Kim's been no she she's she hasn't pulled any punches describing how sleazy the, the men in the back treated her as far as the corporate side goes when, when she was hired. But um, no, you bring up a good point because that's part of 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 the turning of the of the tide, per se. I actually just shared a memory on my Facebook page the other day about a rant I went on and I remember commenting. I was like, oh, yeah, back in this was back in the day when everyone told me I was being too mean for judging people like Bill Cosby and, you know, Kevin Spacey. And uh, who's that that pervert TV producer? Weinstein. Um, yeah, yes. Thank Weinstein. you. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. And, yeah. you know, the yeah. the idea being that, OK, like you said, one victim you always want to give accusers the benefit of the doubt. But when you start getting into what could be dozens in, in you mentioned Bill Cosby, he just this morning, we're recording it or this afternoon, we're recording this on the 21st of June. He, uh, civil court just found him liable for sexual, uh, a, a, a sexual assault towards a teenager in the seven in 1975. So, you know, um, but he, when you start getting into what could be dozens of people with the same story, it almost becomes impossible not to believe that it's true. And I think if, if what you said is, is right, I was going to get into that in a little bit. So, you know, good, good on you bringing it up. But the, the, there are the, and that's part of why there's so many law firms involved now is there's multiple NDAs and nearly as of right now, nearly all of them involve female employees and some combination of Vince and John Laurinaitis going back at least 10 years. So you're talking about, you know, uh, I mean, you, when you start getting into, like I said, dozens, it becomes a bit much. Benny, what do you think? Well, it's a tree with very, very deep roots. I mean, I, my own grievances with Vince McMahon, you know, the first one is he killed the wrestling that I love. I mean, that, I mean, that's a whole, that's a, a five part show in itself, but I mean, I have been a wrestling fan since 1968 and I can't even, I mean, if I can't watch WWE, it, to me, it is totally unwatchable. And I, I blame him for that. But my, my biggest thing, like, yeah, this is terrible. This is nothing compared to his other faux pas. I mean, you know, you mentioned Owen Hart. I mean, the, the guy's blood was still, like, not dried on the mat. And there were literally floorboards broken where the, and, you know, the, the wrestlers in the ring could see, see the, you know, the, the dip, which, number one, besides being totally... Um, unethical. I mean, it was it was very unsafe. But how about the, Dominic DiNucci, uh when when Bruno died? Vince, I, I guess, and this is I've, I've heard this from a very good source. Vince and Stephanie went to Bruno's funeral. I think Dominic was about ten feet away, and they didn't even acknowledge the man. And, and here's a guy who gave his life, broke his butt 
for Vince's father to, you know, the, the very fact that Vince had a WWF to buy from his father is, is in part to guys like uh, Dominic and Ivan Koloff. And for those guys to have to, you know, passed away without getting, and I, I mean, let's face it, the WWE Hall of Fame, it's absolute bullshit. It, it, it doesn't exist. Where's the building? I mean, where are the votes? You know, who, who votes on this? It's not like the Baseball Writers Association of America voting for uh, Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds. But these poor guys, they, they deserve that honor. For them, it would have meant the world, I'm sure. Ivan Koloff. I mean, how do you exclude Ivan Koloff? The guy beat Bruno clean in the middle of the ring and ended in an eight-and-a-half-year title reign. I mean, how, how, do you, how do you do that, seven-and-a-half, actually? But those are my gripes with the guy. Yeah, and there's plenty of gripes to have, uh, both from fans like ourselves and from former talents. And, you know, if you've ever talked to a guy like Shane Douglas, like I have, you, you hear a lot of stuff that you won't hear everywhere else. And you can just go to YouTube and find a, a myriad of shooting reviews. I've been watching a series of shooting reviews with Shelly Martinez, who used to be the Ariel character in WWE ECW, that, you know, ECW reboot. She was the vampire girl wrestler. And, She's got some stories that she's telling, you know, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of dirt underneath those Titan Tower females. That that's a great way of putting that. I like that. And, and I kind of want to go back to something we talked about a little bit ago. His his appearance when when he made the announcement that uh, I'm not stepping down as creative, and that P.S. I'm going to be on SmackDown. You said it. He came out, huge pop, fans bowing, people waving and cheering. And Benny, you said it, it when we were in the notes before the show that it almost reminded you of a Jamestown rally, or excuse me, a Jonestown rally. You know, there is a, a an almost cult following of some of these people. And I'm curious, before we can get back to more of, of the scandal, uh, I mean, he came out, basically said nothing except the, the the slogan of the company, which was a very creative way of saying, my ass isn't going anywhere. And it, it was it was bad. It was very bad it, for two, two reasons. One, it was a clear power move. Ha ha, look at me. But two, you hype up this appearance. I mean, obviously, he wasn't going to come out and, and, and confess anything or talk about the scandal, but you had to assume there was going to be more substance to it. Or, uh, But I, I'm wondering, Benny, or uh, excuse me, uh, Mike, but Benny, you, you as well, since this was kind of your thought, what would it take for from this scandal? What would it take for fans to go enough is enough? Uh, if I could hop Benny, um, I think, first off, that answer is going to be different for every fan. The WWE lost a lot of my support. I think it was in 2017 when they started doing the Saudi Arabian shows. I think the first one was the Crown Jewel show, which at the time, the issue for me was just that they weren't booking female wrestlers and a guy like Sami uh, Zayn because of his ethnic heritage. They weren't booking females or Sami due to uh, placating to their hosts, the Saudi Arabian Sports Authority. That for me was a turning point. Now, I will admit, and I frequently admit, that I still watch the network specials, the WrestleManias, the SummerSlams, the stuff like that I like to watch because I like to be informed of this ongoing conversation about wrestling that we are all having. Uh, but for me, I've spent a whole lot less money on WWE the last five, six, seven years. 
than I did before that. I mean, I used to buy a lot of figures. I used to go to the shows. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but I, I did have a job interview for, as a creative writer for the WWE back in 2007. So I've actually been in the Titan Tower at one point in my life. So I've, I've been pretty into WWE, but based on their behavior and their actions, putting money ahead of anything else, uh, especially when that reporter, the American reporter was murdered by the Saudi Arabians and they did a show like within five or six days of that story coming out, the WWE over there. Yep. Um, I've lost my smile, so to speak, for the WWE. And I think each fan, whether it's, uh, you know, the Usos getting multiple DUIs driving under the influence or uh, particular talent, whether it's Tony Storm or Bray Wyatt or Braun Strowman, if they fire your favorite wrestler in the middle of a pandemic, or if they fire a bunch of behind the scenes people in the middle of a pandemic, which they've done. I think there's some line that has to be crossed for each and every individual fan to lose their loyalty to WWE. And, uh, but there's some fans that are just not going to go away. There's some real hardcore loyalists who just love their WWE they have nostalgia towards it, which I understand. A lot of fans watched wrestling with their dad or with their parents or with their family, and then they grow up and they bring that to the next generation in their family. So there was a lot of loyalty there. I mean, I, I wish I had fans uh, for my books that are all available on Amazon, like the WWE has for all their products, to be quite honest, because their fan base is tremendously loyal to, to the WWE's credit. Well, you know, Mike, now that you said you lost your smile, I think uh, me and Dan will have to make a road trip to Jacksonville and start looking in uh, corporate cafeterias to see if we can, we can find you as a short order cook. But um, um, what what really bothered me was, and well, I guess, Dan, answer your question. I, I don't know that this is going to change anything. I kind of agree with Mike. I mean, the true loyal fans are going to rationalize. Well, he had an affair. So what? You know, everybody does that, or you know, a lot of guys do that, and it, they're going to just kind of sweep it under the rug. And I don't think, really, you know, especially the younger fans, are really going to take the time that we have to really piece together the guy's whole body of work, because this isn't this isn't a 2020. Yeah, it is a a 2022 issue, but th this goes back to 1983 when when he bought the the company from his father, and he undercut so many promoters that his father swore. That you know they would never they would never do that to, so I mean we're we're talking about a 39 year old 39 year history uh, of doing sleazy things and I don't know that people are really going to care I, I I mean I I saw the guy for what he was worth a long time ago but I think people like us I think we're in the minority unfortunately yeah I, I sadly I have to agree with you so speaking of objective Mike I want your thoughts on this. Uh, we, we talked about there's five law firms. There could be more. There's several in, uh, outside independent investigations. Uh, but let me ask you, how independent do you feel this investigation could be? Is this going to be the Catholic Church? Is this going to be the recent story uh, for anybody that plays video games? Activision Blizzard uh, investigated themselves and determined they did nothing wrong in a massive scandal that the state of California started involving sexual offenses and working conditions. But, you know, they, they look, they investigated themselves, nothing. I remember, and I'm not trying to get political. I remember o Obama 
given the speech when he the Treasury Department investigated themselves during the allegations uh, involving the IR using uh, some people using the IRS as a weapon. And he said, we look, we investigated ourselves, not a smidgen of corruption. And, you know, and then but then on the other side, you have like Bill Cosby, you have uh, Michael Jackson, uh, R. Kelly, where independent investigations overturned every rock they could get a hold of and found all this evidence so I'm wondering, Mike, what do you think? How independent are these investigations going to be? And more importantly, kind of uh, second to re-ask the same question, would it, will it matter what they find? Great questions, Dan. And I, I mean, you know what I just saw last week? I rewatched the movie Office Space. So maybe they've got the two Bobs doing the investigation, right? <laughs> the two Bobs are going to go and, and, and give people promotions based on not coming to work. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because we as the fans or we as the general public don't really know who these special investigation teams are. It's a great point. Nobody's asking us to be on the special investigation team or no one's asking us to vote for who should be on it. So we don't know. I don't know. You, you don't know. We don't know. Uh, it reminds me of a couple of years ago, Randy Orton, uh, who everyone puts on this pedestal now and rightly so is a great worker. But Randy Orton was accused of being a pervert, basically, uh, by w former WWE writers for, like, basically making jokes about his own genitalia or perhaps exposing himself or something like that. And uh, that was internally investigated, which turned out to be nothing. Uh, you know, Marlena, the, the former Dustin Rhodes' wife on that Dark Side of the Ring plane episode, she made note of a young a younger Brock Lesnar exposing himself to her in a dressing room. And she just knows it because that's what you do, you know, according to her at that, at that time. My point is um, it's a little bit suspicious and I'm a, I'm a bit cynical uh, about these investigative teams. I didn't know that there was five investigative teams going on until today, Dan. So that's news to me. Uh, where does this fall in the pendulum? between the two Bobs and like the, the Michael Jackson or Bill Cosby investigators? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I would rather it be a, a very serious investigation, but here's the other thing. And, and I'm not trying to defend Vince McMahon's actions at all, but just hear me out on this. If he did have an agreement with this lady and they did sign an out of court settlement or whatever, a payoff, whatever you want to call it, and if she leaked this situation, the settlement, her, her feelings on it, because that's all we've heard is her side of the story anonymously through her friend, through this email to the board of directors, is this lady, the 41-year-old paralegal, is, in, is she in violation of the non-disclosure agreement? I don't know the answer to that. I do know that Donald Trump, I believe, sued Stormy Daniels for and won, I believe, for breaking their non-disclosure agreement. So it's like the form, the president or the former president sues a porn star uh, for, for talking about them having sex and he wins. I mean, we live in a crazy world. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I mm -hmm. almost forgot about that. No, you're right. He uh, he he did get that side, although I think she might be covered because from, from and I'm, I'm just basing off of what I've been reading is I guess the story came from her friend or roommate or somebody that had access 
to her, I don't know if it was her computer, her emails, whatever, but somebody that saw these messages was the one that said, hey, my friend is is having trouble, and they're the one that brought it forward. And if they were, if you can prove that they got access to that information without her knowledge, then she's in the clear. Um, but no, to, to go off of what you were saying, I, for anybody out there that's interested, uh, Brandon Thurston from excuse me, Brandon Thurston from Wrestle, WrestleNomics was the one who first put the list together. It's uh, Scott & Scott, which is an investigative firm, the Rosen Law Firm, the Shaw Law Firm, uh, Brager, Eagle & Squire, and Lobaton Sucro are the, the five law firms that are all involved. And some of them have, a hit. he went into the uh, big history of each one. And, and it's a very good article if you can find his stuff. It was on businesswire.com to put a plug out for them. Um, they're, they're investigative firms. Their existence is they come in corporate, personal, and they overturn the rocks. They're the special investigators that, that find all these, all, you know, spiders hiding under the seashell or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I kind of want to touch something you just talked about, and I think it's important, is you mentioned the the bonds and, and you, you kind of went into what it's going to take. So – let me let me just have you, you kind of expand on one thought real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is uh, assuming the absolute worst uh, for them, they find improprieties, they find all this bad stuff. Um, if if it ends up with Vince McMahon leaving, and let's say he's forced to resign, he's forced to step down. Is it everybody that has to go in order to appease the shareholders? Do you have to get rid of Pritchard and Laurinaitis and Dunn and Stephanie and Tripp? Do you have to get rid of Vince McMahon's circle? Or can you kind of like uh, the sacrificial lamb of sorts say, look, the problem is gone. Maybe maybe McMahon and Laurinaitis, but everybody else's hands are clean and we're good to go from there. I think Laurinaitis is the Terry Garvin of this case. We haven't brought up the Ring Boys scandal of 1992 on the Donahue show and everything with that. And, but I just watched uh, a 1992 Larry King, Vince McMahon, Bruno San Martino interview last night or two in the morning, and it was still powerful. And uh, so I think Laurinaitis, he's already stepped down or been asked to step down or removed, whatever you want to call it. I think he'll be the sacrificial lamb. I don't think Vince is going to end up leaving the company, but if he does, um, I don't think uh, here's, here's the bigger issue. Who would you get to replace all those people? If you don't have Stephanie, or if you don't have, you know, Paul Levesque as Meltzer calls him or triple H as I call him, if you don't have these wrestling people who at least have somewhat of a clue how the WWE should operate or Bruce Pritchard, who's a loyal soldier, if nothing else, or a Paul Heyman, or if you don't have some of these people, who are you going to bring in? I mean, are you going to bring in uh, Tony Khan from AEW? Are you going to bring in Jeff Jarrett? I mean, Jarrett's there already. I mean, you could promote Jeff Jarrett, you know. But you have to have some people that have experience. And pro wrestling or WWE sports entertainment, it's a very unique animal. It's a very unique business. The connection to the fans is very unique. Uh, Bischoff, Eric Bischoff says it on his podcast that you don't go to your local 20,000 seat hockey arena and watch your favorite soap opera stars come out and act out scenes in front of 20,000 fans. Uh, you, you know, but you do that with wrestling, 
you know, so, um, and, and for instance, a sports team, Jacksonville Jaguars play in Jacksonville. Uh, the Washington Commanders play in, you know, wherever, Northern Virginia. But nobody tours around, you know, with the exception of the Super Bowl. It's a hometown thing is what I'm saying. But the pro wrestling, whether it's WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, or anybody else, they, they take the show on the road in the best of times. And uh, I just don't think there's many people qualified to be in that business that if you replaced all the McMahons, who are you going to replace them with, is my point. There is a rumor that there will be a sixth law firm. Uh, that is Jim Cornette's law firm of uh, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. And uh, now I do think it's kind of ironic that, you know, the last time Vince thought he was going to jail uh, during the steroid trial, he brought in Jerry Jarrett. And now he's got Jeff Jarrett. I thought there might be a little bit of irony there. But, Mike, I wanted to step back a little bit and maybe have you play uh, amateur psychologist because you have alluded to this on a couple of your videos. Uh, Vince Sr. and and, uh, Vince's grandfather, Jesse McMahon, by all accounts, by and large, were pretty reputable promoters and businessmen. Um, What do you think caused the disconnect with Vince? I believe he was his parents... Divorced when Vince was a young man, very young, like a child. And I believe Vince, in the Playboy interview from, I think, 98 or 99, said that he was raised with a stepfather for a while that he didn't get along with. Uh, Vince Jr., and I feel empathy or sympathy towards this. He, I believe he said he was molested even or beaten. Uh, Some bad things happened between him and the stepfather character or somebody else of authority. And I think Vince, you know, said some stuff and he didn't go into great details. And that that Playboy interview can probably be found online if people want to dig it up. Uh, but I think when he finally connected with his father, I could be wrong, but I don't think Vince Jr. actually spent real time with his father until maybe he was like 10 or 12 or even a young teenager. And that's when he basically put his father and the whole wrestling world and Madison Square Garden and Dr. Jerry Graham on this pedestal like this was the wizard of oz when we go to color or however you know you know what i mean this was awesome because what he had to compare it to was living with this horrible stepfather character and being abused so anything would have been better and uh i do feel that junior mcmahon vince mcmahon has had a he had a tough childhood he's been working out his issues with god with women with friendships, with prestige, with ego. He's been working out these issues for 40 years now, and we've all been spectators to this guy working out his issues. And how he does it is not by going to the therapy or taking a Wellbutrin or a Depakote or a Lithium. It's by making wrestling and uh, having storylines that have sexual uh, innuendos and perversions and and all those type of things. That's we we as a collective WWE fan base have been witnesses uh, and maybe compliant in this guy working out his issues for our for our entertainment or lack thereof. What do you think happens with uh, him and Linda? Well, I think you know this is what kind of gets me, guys, because I did put I wouldn't say research, but I listened to a lot of things this past week. One thing I listened to was um, Dave LaGreca and uh, Bully Ray and Mark Henry and uh, on the Busted Open podcast. Good guys. But, I mean, they're loyalists, too. And Bubba Ray uh, 
Dudley was on, was talking with Eric Bischoff over on 83 weeks. And basically they were saying that Vince had this look in his eye, like Bubba Ray, Vince had this look in his eye that was different. He's talking about the SmackDown thing on Friday night, right? And he had a look in his eye, like if I'm saying goodbye, I'm saying goodbye. <clears throat> well, he came back on Monday. So the wrestlers, like I keep saying, the wrestlers have such a father figure complex towards this guy. It's unbelievable. It's ingrained. I mean, Mark Henry was very, uh, I don't know what to say. It kind of sounded very excusing making. Booker T is always making excuses for the WWE's uh, bookings and so forth. A lot of these wrestlers or four wrestlers that are still in the community somehow are so um, biased towards Vince because they're always looking for his approval and probably more importantly, they're looking for his paychecks. That's, that's an interesting way to put it. Well, as we wrap up, uh, Mikey, or I should say, as we approach the end, we've talked a lot about hypotheticals on what if, what could be. Uh, so I'm curious to kind of a two part question here. First, when, when Vince was, stepped back as as it was so eloquently put stephanie mcmahon came back benny pointed it out from her one month hiatus uh to to take over one was she the right choice or is this just a nepotism thing is this uh you mentioned the washington commanders is this dan snyder being relieved of his duties by the nfl only for his wife to become ceo and he's still in the office every day like is is vince mcmahon still running everything and stephanie's just kind of there or is this is this nepotism run amok or is maybe she the right choice because of of the popularity or I should say respect that she has for the board from the board? Uh, my opinion is that she is kind of a shadow figure. She is a, a figurehead and Vince is still kind of calling the shots, even if she literally has to sign papers. I'm sure Vince is telling her what papers to sign. But I would say this, um, in my opinion, I could be wrong. I've never met Stephanie McMahon or any of the McMahons in person. But I think Stephanie is probably the one between her and her brother, Shane. She probably is more apt because she never left for seven years. And she married a great pro wrestler and a guy who really helped develop talent in NXT, uh, Paul Levesque, Triple H. And I think that, you know, Maybe I'm marking out a little bit like some of the NXT fans, but that that fantasy of Triple H and Stephanie taking over the company and running things the way that they should see it and everything is going to be like NXT black and gold circa 2016. Uh, I don't I never bought into that, but maybe I would. You know, I think I think maybe that's what people are hoping. Uh, so I, I think it's more of Vince putting Stephanie in that position, putting, hey, look, if you're being accused of, of being a, a, a perv with women, right, what better way to say, I'm not a perv with women. You put your own daughter in the top spot instead of your son. So it's it's a political thing, and it's a, it's a smart move by the WWE to put Stephanie in there. And I don't think she's unintelligent. I think Stephanie's intelligent, and I think she's a good performer on TV. And like I said, I don't know her own moralities or anything, but I mean – you could make a point that anybody's better than Vince. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Cause this is the point. Um, I think back to the famous pipe bomb promo from CM Punk, where he said, you know, the company's not going to get any better until Vince dies, but kind of backhanded compliment. Then it's going to be in the hands of his idiot daughter and doofus son-in-law. Uh, 
could be prophetic words. But but the final question from me, Mike, we talked a lot, like I said, the hypotheticals of what ifs, what could be. Your prediction, just based on what you know now, what happens here? Is it nothing or does something actually come from this? My prediction is a bump in the road. I think like we didn't have these podcasts and we didn't have social media and wrestling Twitter and so forth back in 1992. Uh, but if we did, you know, the Donahue show, I mean, imagine if the Donahue show of 1992, if something like that came out now, we'd be all over Twitter. We'd be, our fingers would be bleeding from, from being on the computer so much. Right. But my point is if it didn't, sink him then the steroids the ring boy scandal the saudi arabian stuff i i mean i've got one friend of mine one wrestling friend eric uh messaged me that he was kind of proud of vince mcmahon having an affair with a younger woman like he said hey for his age he can still get it up that's great so that's the type of things we're dealing with here but i do think this did and i, I was thinking about this on my ride over here uh, for the show tonight I think of let's just say every hundred rest every hundred WWE fans like a week ago, I think maybe two will lose their smile and leave. And I think two of those people could be two women, you know, because I think uh, my friend tantalizing Tony, who's a huge WWE apologist, a huge WWE fan, he felt that Vince going out on SmackDown was insulting to women. And Tony has a 17-year-old daughter that comes up, comes with him to all the wrestling shows. And she's the producer of his wrestling podcast. And he's trying to expose his daughter to pro wrestling as a bonding thing. And she enjoys watching it. But when she hears about these scandals and she sees the owner of the company, the guy accused of all these things, just skip it around and dance it around. Tony, huge WWE defender, is embarrassed and ashamed to be watching Uh, from my perspective, it's kind of ironic because you know, the only enjoyment that I've gotten from the WWE in the last 10 years is following this shit show every day and see what, ha to see what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, you figure, yeah. you, you, you hit it on the head when you talked about it, Mike. I mean, going back, you've had several unearthed scandals from the Dark Side of the Ring series. They had the black eye uh, from the Saudi Arabia, the blood money. And then there was the issue where uh, the wrestlers, several of them said they won't go back to Saudi Arabia after their plane was pretty much held hostage on the tarmac, um, you know, uh, money. And of course there's, you know, now this, I mean, you've had just in the last couple years, just black eye after black eye on the social front. And I, I think, Yes, they're still making record profits because that's how TV contracts work. But when you have the lowest ratings in company history, ticket sales are down. They've they've practically abandoned most of the house show circuit. Um, you know, it comes a point where you have to admit that fans are leaving and it's not just it can't just be the product. Some of it has to be Mike, like you said, you know, the, the, the fans who put their foot down for moral reasons. I mean, there's several prominent personalities on social media that review wrestling that I absolutely, you know, I'm still going to talk about WWE because I have to, to be on top of this, but I'm not going to talk about Saudi Arabia. I'm not going to cover this incident or this, whatever story that happened. Um, I mean, NXT, you had the Velveteen dream scandal, uh, among other things. 
And I, I just I think you have to see it for what it is that there is fans. And you mentioned it. Um, I'm I happen to be wearing my VCW shirt when we go to the VCW shows. Uh, my my friend's daughter, the the little one, we bring her to all the shows. She's a huge fan of wrestling. I, I kind of created a monster on that front. But, you know, how do I if she starts asking questions when she gets a little older, how do you explain like, well, wait a minute, this the these deviants are running the company you know from you you mentioned your friend with his daughter from the perspective of a female how how do you how do you support that and and look a a young girl in the eyes and say look you know this guy allegedly these horrible things uh you know he let's let's go give them money well you know when remember that trish i mean it's an infamous segment on raw vince mcmahon having trish strap out of the strip and bark like a dog on her knees from 2001. Um, a friend of mine from uh, my life who was, she was not a big wrestling fan, but she would tune in once in a while. She told me, because I was telling her that I was applying to work for the WWE, and she said, oh, that's good for you. I don't watch that anymore. And I said, oh, what, why not? And she said, well, I tuned in one night, and there was a woman on her knees barking like a dog. And... Uh, I, I'm not going to watch that. And she, I mean, as far as I know, she never watched again. So, I mean, the WWE, which plays fast and loose with their morals, and <laughs> they always have a justification for everything. Well, Trish slapped Mr. McMahon at WrestleMania. So it all is all equal. I mean, they just, the, the wrestlers are so desperate to vindicate and justify their own lack of sticking up for themselves. It's unbelievable. So I think people like CM Punk who leave or uh, John Moxley, you know, People like myself, I enjoy seeing them wrestle. The CM Punks, the John Moxley's guys that have kind of gone into the WWE system, gotten themselves a wife and some fame and some money, and then taken their show somewhere else. And if you look at the pattern, that's the pattern with Cody. Cody got Brandy in NXT. Punk got uh, AJ Lee. And Moxley got Renee. And I think uh, Carnardo, what's the guy's name? The Zack Ryder, Matt Cardano. Yeah, um, the the, the uh, uh, green, the one half. Chelsea Green. Yeah. No, she wasn't the iconic. She was something else. Chelsea Green. Yeah, uh, but you, but the iconics uh, lady is with the wrestler. Oh, too. you know what? You're right. I'm yeah. thinking of I'm thinking of Sean Spears's wife was uh, right. she was one half of the iconics. You're right. Yeah. So that's like five of these guys that have gone through the WWE system. You know, your flat back bumps and all that good stuff. And they learn the ropes, so to speak. And then they find a beautiful young woman to to take with them. And they're out of there. And that's the type of wrestler that I cheer for. I just watched the NWA pay-per-view. I paid the 50 bucks for the NWA annual pass. So that's, I'm watching that. Uh, so here's the thing. There's always going to be pro wrestling. There might always be WWE too. At least it probably will outlive the three of us. But wrestling is so simple compared to other uh, forms of entertainment. As sports, you need a 100-yard football field. You need 11 guys on each side. Wrestling, you need a ring, a cup, two wrestlers, and a ref. And that's a pretty good start. And then you things like ring announcers and commentators, and you got to get fans. But as far as, like, if you just look at the logistics, compare pro wrestling to anything like ice hockey or, or Disney World or anything, it's really a pretty affordable setup for the amount of fans you can get to watch this stuff and enjoy it because there's something about the three original sports, running, throwing, and fighting. 
and, and wrestling would fall into that fighting category. And uh, people enjoy watching it. I mean, I've gone to 400 seat shows uh, and seen Matt Hardy wrestle and get a huge pop in front of 400 people in, in Fall River, Massachusetts for top pro promotions because people love wrestling. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I've had more fun at, at a vet. You know, you're lucky if there's a thousand people in the building than I have going to an arena show with 20, 30 plus thousand. But um, I mean, Benny, we've we've taken up most of the time tonight. I'm going to give the final thought to you. What are you thinking? Well, I, I miss wrestling. And by wrestling, I mean an, ex, an example, Larry Zabisco turning on Bruno San Martino. And, you know, the, the next week, Bruno San Martino called him a Judas. And the, the buildup to that match was absolutely incredible. And you knew that every seat in that in Madison Square Garden was going to be sold. And I'm going to uh, plug my, our good friend, Evan, Ginsberg, Evan Ginsberg's movie, 350 Days. There was a gentleman by the name of Howard Jerome, who, and he said in the movie, which is my favorite line in the whole movie, there is a longing in the human heart to, to, see, to, to want to see good triumph over e- evil. And that was the basic premise of wrestling for years and years and years, and it always worked. And I think WWE has completely blurred the lines. You don't know who to cheer for. So if you don't know who to cheer for, how can you really get invested in the match? Yeah, you can watch these uh, these moves that sound like Mexican, you know, drinks you can order at a Mexican restaurant. But, I mean, I want to see, you know, Wahoo McDaniel chop Johnny Valentine. Or, you know, th- that's wrestling, and I, that's what I miss. Well, real quick, Dan, if I could just say to Betty, you know, I think that type of wrestling is still out there. You know, Jacksonville just had a June 19th local wrestling show that the Pope was something was running, the Charity Alive show, and um, the, v, the VCW that Dan's a part of, the Virginia Championship Wrestling. And, and like I said, as far as something national, um, although there are improvements to be made, uh, Billy Corbin, Oregon with the National Wrestling Alliance is doing a pretty good job. Uh, I mean, the Crockett Cup last month was really good. It was a two-night pay-per-view, a Saturday and a Sunday, and I watched it, and I enjoyed it, you know, and and I would suggest that people check things out. If you want to go, if you want to watch something current that feels old school, the NWA is pretty strong. If you want cutting-edge stuff, there's AEW, there's the Forbidden Door pay-per-view coming up. There's always going to be wrestling it's up to each an individual fan to decide which wrestling they watch. Well said, Mike. And I have to agree with you on that one. I have the Fight TV subscription just for the AEW, or excuse me, the, the NWA shows. And I mean, Trevor, Trevor Murdoch, and some of the some of the talent that comes through there. And of course, I don't know if it's still available, but that mini series they did when Tim Storm was the champion, as they were transitioning into. Yeah, into, thank you, the 10 pounds of gold, into uh, the debut of NWA Power. And, of course, uh, thinking back to one of their earlier episodes uh, when the Rock and Roll Express came out of retirement to win the tag titles one more time, there was more emotion in that ten, less than 10-minute match than I've seen in years. And I, I can't recommend it enough. But, um, Mike, thank you again so much for your time. Always insightful. Um, always I know you always have something to say when it comes to the WWE and, and when it comes to this. And I mean that as a compliment, you're, you're a knowledgeable man. And uh, of course uh, you wouldn't be uh, an appearance on the show without plugging yourself. What do you got coming up, Mike? Well, Mike for all your Mike Messier needs, wants, and desires. 
I've been spending a lot of time on my books. I do have a book out now, Art at War of Directing Short Films, uh, web series, and, uh, and uh, television. And basically, if you go to mikemessier.com and scroll to the bottom, uh, Benny was kind enough to read uh, and do the foreword to Fighter Play Basketball, my coming of age sports novel. And I think Benny also enjoyed my, uh, it's simply called Pro Wrestling Trivia by Smart Mike Messier. It's got a picture of Taz versus Sabu that I took. And it's, I think it's like 13 or 14 episodes, they call it, on the Kindle Vela thing, where I have some pretty good questions, uh, Pro Wrestling Trivia questions that people can play. If you have Amazon Prime, I think you can read it more or less for free. Yes. So, uh, yeah, just scroll down to MikeMessier.com. If you want to, like I said, subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel. Plenty of pro wrestling rants, AEW clips, uh, my interview with Bob Backlund. You guys are on it. You know, because we did the Bret Hart episode the last time I was on, so that's on there. And, uh, yeah, MikeMessier.com. Scroll to the bottom, and all my social media links are at the bottom of MikeMessier, M-E-S-S-I-E-R.com. Thank you. There you have it. And, and I just want to point out, subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube is both a name and the slogan and a yeah. suggestion. It is the name of the channel. Great stuff. MikeMessier.com for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. I'm Dan Sebastiano. It's been a great episode, folks, and thank you very much. Have a good night, and we will see you next time we're in the ring.